Well, thank you, sister, for that beautiful song. And all of God's people said? Amen. I mean, you'd say, that's what I'm willing to do. And you say, I'm not willing. Well, Lord, make me willing. I think we all want to be willing. Amen? Amen. And I think if you braved the traffic and came in here and fought your way to get here tonight, you certainly came for something. And I believe it, it was that the Lord might work in your heart and in your life. I made the mistake of telling the pastor tonight. I, I asked him... Uh, how much percentage of the church is Filipino and how much is Chinese? He said, well, uh, a lot more Chinese. I said, well, you know, then probably people will be on time. And, and he kind of laughed and he said, well, not really. I said, oh, I, I thought it was just Filipinos, amen? But anyway, uh, we talk about uh, in the Philippines, we'll say, what time is it? You want, uh, you want regular time or Filipino time? What time does the meeting start? I got the place that's going to be, meeting starts promptly tonight at 6.30. And we'd start at 7, amen, and uh, trick them to get there. But uh, I don't know. It's a tough place to be. And uh, I know the traffic you fight, the things you do just to get in church tonight. And uh, I appreciate that so much. And I know your pastor does too. And he brags on you. And I know you think he just rips on you all the time and preaches and, uh, rip and preaches hard. How many of you want a pastor who preaches hard? Amen. I mean, strong, Amen. And uh, well, everybody, good to see you. Now we don't we don't need little Melvin Milk Toast here. We need a man of God. Say amen. And so glad you have one. But uh, he does brag about uh, some of the distance some of you drive to get to church, and uh, the things you have to do to just get here. And uh, you're to be commended uh, just to be out here on a. I was going to say not rainy, but around here it's a smoky Monday night. Amen. And uh, by the way, I found out who started the fires. It wasn't the pastor. But uh, I found out a lot of the schools are closed around here. It's the students. It's the kids. It's the, it's the ones who didn't study over the weekend. Amen? But uh, I understand some of the kids had out today. And I pray you had a good day in spite of being out of school and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do tonight. Let's get right into the Bible tonight. We're going to go right into 2 Samuel tonight. The book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Chapter number 15, 2 Samuel chapter 15, and I'll begin to read in verse number 1, I heard about a man, I'll try not to preach too long tonight, I heard about a man that the pastor was preaching, and the deacon was, uh, one of his deacons was sitting on the front row, the pastor preached long, I mean he got at it, he preached an hour. He was into the second hour, and the deacon got up and started walking out. And he said, Deacon Jones, what are you doing walking out of here? He said, I need to go get a haircut. He said, why didn't you get one before church? He said, I didn't need one before church. Anyway, we'll try, to, try not to be that long. I heard about a preacher that, uh, man, his method, he had a great little method. He would, he would take a button uh, every time, uh, excuse me, he would take a hard candy, and every time he preached, he put a hard candy in his mouth. And that would gauge how long he would preach. When the candy was gone, he would shut it down. Well, one Sunday morning, he put a candy in. He preached for a half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And, man, the, 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 the candy wouldn't dissolve. And finally, he just spit it out. It was a button that was in his coat pocket. And uh, I'll try not to do that to you tonight. Heard about a preacher that, man, he had, he had, uh, he had a dental problems, so uh, they pulled his teeth. Man, he preached, and uh, the, next, uh, the next Sunday, all of his teeth were pulled. He preached for 10 minutes, and that was it. And uh, the next week, uh, he preached again for 10 minutes. And then the third Sunday, he preached for two hours. One of the deacons said, what are you doing? He said, well, three weeks ago, my gums hurt because they pulled my teeth. He said, last week, uh, I had the new teeth in, and I couldn't preach. They hurt so bad. And he said, this week, I accidentally put in my wife's teeth. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that's not right. Amen? All right. I'm glad my wife's not here for that joke anyway. Honey, if you're watching my live stream, I'm sorry. But anyway, all right, 2 Samuel chapter 15, please. Verse number 1, 2 Samuel chapter 15, and i like to begin reading in verse number 1. And after this, it came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. 
It was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? He said, Thy servant uh, is one of, a, one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there's no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this matter did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment so Absalom, next word, help me, stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This past June, on a, about 12 o'clock at night, on a Sunday night, we'd gotten home after church, gotten everybody in bed, went down to bed. A little bit after midnight, my wife woke me up. She said, honey, the dog's barking, and somebody has opened our garage door. I said, no. She said, yes, somebody. I heard our garage door open. I said, okay, we'll go see who it is. No, I didn't do that. I said, uh, all right. I said, okay, uh, uh, what do you mean? And I could hear the dog barking and carrying on. We have a little a Maltese. That's not really a dog, but it's for my daughter, uh, Bethany. And, and uh, this dog was just barking away and carrying on downstairs. So I got what I could to carry downstairs in case it was a problem. And I went to the door that was between our kitchen and the garage door. And when I opened the door, the garage door was open. And worse than that, no one was there but my beautiful, nice GMC truck that was sitting in the driveway when I went to bed that night was gone. On the driveway was a little bit of water where the car had been started and the water came right off. And I realized suddenly that someone had stolen my truck. It was right after a high school graduation. I thought perhaps maybe the teenagers stole it and they were goofing around and playing a prank on the pastor. I checked around and uh, we had neighbors at the time and one of those kids was a senior. I called over, they said, no sir, we did not do that, I promise you. We wouldn't do anything like that. We know that we probably wouldn't live through that moment when you finally found out who did it, amen. And uh, I got a beautiful truck, nice in 2017 GMC uh, Denali four-door truck and I, I like my vehicles, I take good care of them, and I, uh, I was not happy when I realized my truck was missing. I looked around the neighborhood. Perhaps I had a, a, a mental brain freeze and parked it on a little pad across from our, from our house, looked again. No, it was gone, and my truck had been stolen. I called up OnStar. They got on the phone, just like the TV commercial, and eventually, after a few hours, they found my vehicle, and we recovered the truck. The police came to my house and said, sir, we need to take an accident or a theft report. We went through it. And they said, sir, would you, uh, would you like to prosecute? And the next day, the insurance company said, if we find the people that took your truck, would you like to prosecute? I said, I'd like to prosecute to the full extent of the law. Somebody stole my truck. I said, what I'd like to charge with, can I get them for grand theft auto? They said, well, we don't know if we can do that or not. I said, I want the full extent. I want their name, address. I'm going to terrorize them for the rest of their life for stealing my truck. And I wanted them to get grand theft auto. Well, I, they, we never did find the culprits. We never did find out who did it. I got the truck back, got it all fixed up. Honestly, it's never been the same. To me, it's just knowing somebody stole my vehicle. It was a strange and a, a, a very a violated feeling. But I'll never forget when I thought about it, grand theft auto, we didn't get charged for that, but there's a lot of theft that goes on in churches just like this. And I want to speak about another theft that's even more important than a vehicle. You understand the fact? You can get your car back. You can buy another vehicle. You can get an insurance claim. But when your children are stole away and your church people are gone, and when the hearts of God's people have been robbed by the evil one, many times there's no recovery in sight. And for a few moments tonight, 
I'd like to speak on the subject, Grand Theft Absalom. Grand Theft Absalom. A man who stole what was not rightfully his. And we're going to learn some things about that tonight and what you and I can do about this thief that's always about trying to steal what God has entrusted to our care. Grand Theft Absalom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for the Spirit of God to work in our lives and our hearts tonight. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the great service we've already had, for the wonderful, encouraging, and uplifting music and the song service. And now, Father, may you bless the Word of God as it goes forth. May it have power and unction and liberty is our prayer. Thank you for your grace, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said together, you may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. Our text tonight is the account of a man who has uh, now the third born son of King David who rebelled against his father and tried to bring about a coup and eventually tried his very best to steal the kingdom and to steal the throne away from the very one who had fathered him and brought him into this world. His name is Absalom. Absalom is again the third born son of King David. We know the account. Uh, or if we know our Bibles, we know the account where Absalom comes into the fore and he comes into our view where in chapter number 13, he has a terrible encounter with his brother over his sister whose name was Tamar. His brother Amnon violated his sister and Absalom found out about this and he determined in his heart that he would kill his very own flesh and blood and kill his brother. Some two years later, he made a devious plot to call all of his brothers out and as a result, he commissioned men to take Amnon's life, uh, the firstborn son of the king, and he did exactly that. After that, he goes into exile for a period of time, and eventually David, who himself was a very soft-hearted man, uh, called his son back to the kingdom, and now when Absalom comes back, he sits in the gate uh, in the city of Jerusalem, and there begins to draw men after himself, one at a time, over a long period of time, and Absalom begins to steal the hearts of the people of Israel and steal men after himself. If you study the life of Absalom, you could write down a number of things about him. I think his real problem begins in chapter 13 with a disappointment. He was expecting his father to discipline his son and because David did not discipline uh, Amnon properly in his sight, he began to be angry and bitter in his heart. Most rebels get disappointed disappointed somewhere along the way. They get dis disappointed by their father or their mom or some leader in their life or some pastor along the way or spiritual leader who lets them down and they have that sickness in their heart that the Bible calls uh, disappointment. God said in Proverbs 13 in verse number 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And God wants us to realize something, the fact that we must be careful lest we get a disappointment toward God. And when we follow spiritual leaders, we must understand that though God places leaders over our life, they have feet of clay just like ours. They have failure just like us. And yet God anoints men and puts them over our life. And you and I must learn what it means to follow them as they follow Christ. I need an amen right there. So there's disappointment that sets into his life. Secondly, we find he was not only a young man who was disappointed, he was a young man who was very devious. He begins to put together a plan in chapter 13 and 14 in order to get back at his brother and to retaliate. In fact, the Bible said uh, that Absalom hated his brother Amnon and made plans to kill him. There was anger and bitterness that began to fester in his heart and a desire for revenge and retaliation. Now, wait a minute. There is such a thing as justice, and David was not uh, keen on that. He made a mistake, I believe, in leadership by not bringing his son to justice, but that was David's 
matter. That was God's matter. And justice did not belong to Absalom. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So he was devious in his dealings. He was, he was, uh, he was disappointed. And then, of course, he was defiant. He began to defy his father and come against the very man that brought him into this world. Can you imagine a young man rising up his father in such uh, with such vengeance that he gets horsemen together and chariots together and an army together to hunt his very father down over the next few chapters where he brings about a rebellion, a revolt against the man of God. So we see in his life disappointment. We see that he's devious. We see his defiance. And then, of course, Absalom was very, very divisive. He was a very divisive man. He was always looking for an end and an opening to place himself uh, where he did not belong between the king and the people and his leadership and the king's leadership over their life. Look at chapter 15, verse number 12. Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, uh, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called. They went in their simplicity and they knew not anything. And the, the, the conspiracy, verse number 12, Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifice. The people was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. This went on for nearly 40 years, this uh, slow trickle, this desire to take over the kingdom, and eventually he revolted and brought division to the house of God. Now understand much of what Absalom did, uh, some of it was the fault of David with his matter with uh, Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. Nonetheless, he was an instrument of judgment against David and, and chastening. And that young man, Absalom, lives now forever in infamy because of the fact that he rose up against his own father and tried to destroy the kingdom. And if you were to ask me uh, how to, to describe Absalom, in one word. Understand his name really indicates peaceful. His very name means a man of peace and he was anything but a man of peace. Understand the devil himself is transformed into an angel of light. Do I have an amen? And so we think about Satan and how wonderful he is. Absalom uh, would come to the city of Jerusalem and they would pull his hair. He was more fair to look upon than any man and all the people around would say, Absalom, Absalom, what a guy when in reality, Absalom, if you were to, de to define him in one word, I believe Absalom, above all else, was a thief. He was nothing more than a sneak thief. Uh, man, nobody likes a thief. Do I have an amen? amen. Have you ever been robbed? Can I see your hand? Have you ever been ripped off? You ever come outside and something you had was gone? Boy, I saved up when I was a kid. Uh, working, cutting lawns, worked all summer. And uh, I asked my dad, Dad, can I get a new bike? He said, oh, you certainly may. That's great. He said, you're going to have to work for it, but you can get whatever you want. That was my dad's policy. I could have anything as long as I worked for it. Say amen right there. And uh, I saved up all summer, and I bought a beautiful Schwinn Varsity 10-speed. Man, uh, my buddies were all buying bicycles. It was so nice. I rode that bike everywhere I went. I was so proud of it. One time, I forgot to lock it outside uh, of a, uh, a store. I came back out and my bike was gone. I mean, what a horrible feeling to know somebody had stolen my bike. Well, you can buy a new bike. You can buy a new car. You can buy a new house. You can buy a lot of things, but you cannot buy a new life when the devil has come along and stolen what you had. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Do you understand the fact that there is a devil tonight who's real and alive and well? Say amen. He's not dressed up in a little costume with a pitchfork and a little long tail, and he doesn't go around uh, uh, in a little red costume and make himself as the devil. No, he comes along as a church member or as some kind, wonderful counselor or some very sweet, effervescent 
effervescent lady in the church, the devil can come along in human form and just like Absalom, come along and destroy people's lives. You say, what did Absalom steal? By the way, you can say amen during this message. If you get real quiet on me at any point, I'm going to stay there for a while. Say amen. So Absalom was a thief. First of all, he stole people. God said in verse number six, and it came to pass, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He stole people. He stole, secondly, he stole position. Verse number one, it came to pass that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run after him. And Absalom rode early, rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. That was a position of authority. That was a position of government and leadership. So he stole people. He stole position. He, th he stole thirdly, he stole a place. He made himself a spot right there at uh, the gate where he could greet, where he could say farewell. He could find out what was going on. Listen, never be the church busybody. Do I have an amen? amen. What's going on? What's happening? Never, never be a meddler. For the Bible says that uh, he that meddleth uh, is as he that taketh the dog by the ears. And so never be a meddler. Why? If you're a meddler, you're going to get bit. Do I have an amen? You take a dog by the ears. It doesn't take a lot to figure that one out. You grab them, they bite you. And God wants to be careful from the sin of meddling. And yet this man, he stole a place. He stole power. And the Bible said that for 40 years he did this. And in verse number 10, he began to steal everything away from David. In verse 11, Absalom went with 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called. So he puts this army together. He wants might. He wants to have force. And most people that are divisive have a great desire for, for prestige and power and popularity. And that is exactly what Absalom desired. He stole prominence. In fact, if you like to, this is a bit humorous, but it's really not, but it's a bit humorous. Uh, flip over to chapter number 18 quickly. Ch chapter 18. Hurry up. Get in your Bible. Chapter 18, verse 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for, help me now, himself a pillar, which is in the Kingsdale for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name. It is called unto this day Absalom's place. Imagine this. Hey, Pastor Ross, he's got a church going over, over in Granite Baptist. We're trying to put up a new building for our school this spring. You can imagine if you heard about the new building, Rossi Hall. <laughs> Amen. I mean, so he puts up this pillar and he names it after himself. And he calls it Absalom's place. He had such a desire for prominence. Now, I know uh, I've written down two things about Absalom, and I'll start making an application here, but there are two very important things about Absalom. Do you know that Absalom never did anything worthwhile? Like, he never did one thing. You don't hear about the fact that he went out and fought a battle and was a great warrior like Joab or one of these other men. He never went out and killed giants like his father did and took out uh, a great champion of the Philistines. He never went out and uh, did anything great. He never wrote songs like David did with the book of Psalms. He never had much of a worship life. He never did a thing. And I can tell you now that we have young people uh, coming out of colleges and out of schools. Hey, pastor, I'm going to tell you how to run the church. And uh, uh, what, Now, here's how you do it. A young man came to me a few years ago as a summer intern, and he said, Pastor, what do you want me to do? I said, come to church in the morning with jeans on. Come to the church with something you can get uh, that you can ruin. Oh, really? What do you want me to do? I'm going to have you painting uh, for the next three weeks. Uh, there was an old bridge out in its side across the stream. I'm going to have you paint that stream. After about two days of painting, he came into my office and said, sir, I really came here to be in the ministry. I said, yeah, what else? He said, well, I came to be in the ministry. I said, good, go back to painting, amen? 
How many believe painting is as important as standing up and preaching? And you can't preach if you can't paint. That's how I feel about it. You can't preach if you can't sweep a floor. You can't preach if you can't clean a toilet. You can't preach if you can't rake the lawn. You can't, so you can't preach if you can't serve. He never did anything. He was a king's son. He was a spoiled rich boy who said, look at me. I'm sure he spent a lot of time in the closing in his closet. What will it be today? Shall it be Ralph Lauren? Shall it be Tommy Hilfiger? Shall it be uh, the latest? Shall it be, uh, you know, whatever you call it? Man, they've got T-shirts out now. I, I saw a T-shirt. It was a Southern Tide T-shirt that was $98. I mean, for a T-shirt. Listen, I, I'm selling them after church, amen? And a shirt. He never did anything. And he certainly never built anything. He built a monument for himself. He built something to show everyone how great he was. He built a pillar, and he called it Absalom's Place. But that's the only thing he ever did in life, and yet he felt in his heart and in his mind that he had the God-given right to steal and to take away and revolt against his own father and destroy the kingdom of God. Now, I can tell you this tonight. If you study Absalom, you're going to find the three things he was really after. He stole their loyalty. Amen? He stole the hearts of the people of Israel. He stole the loyalty of those men. I understand no one here in this room uh, is a king. No one is to be worshipped as a god. No one is to be revered as Jesus himself. But I can tell you this, the Bible says, honor to whom honor. And the Bible says to honor them which have the rule over you. You and I ought to be very careful that we love and support our pastor first before anybody else in the church house. Amen and to honor them. And I don't mean to become man worshipers. We've been in churches like that. Pastor Fong and I, uh, we despise egotistical uh, man worship churches as much as anybody in this room, but never try to steal the loyalty that belongs to your pastor or to your father or to your boss or to your employer or to the people that God has placed over your life. How many believe God is looking for some loyal people in this generation? He stole their loyalty. He stole their love. He stole the love that God wanted them to give to their king, to King David, the one who'd been out there in the sheep coat, the one who had killed the lion and the bear, the one who had run for his life for seven years after King Saul, after Nathan the prophet poured the anointing oil upon his life and the power of God was manifest. From that moment, it was all trouble. He ran for his life in, in caves and hills in order to be God's anointed man. And yet they, he wanted the love that really belonged to his father. He wanted their love. He stole their loyalty. And above all else, he stole their leadership. He stole the leadership that rightfully belonged to the king. May I say to you this, this evening, Absalom stole these things. May I say to you tonight, spiritual leadership is never assumed. Spiritual leadership is always appointed. Did you hear that? Spiritual leadership is never assumed. Well, I'll just start my own Bible study. I'll just start my own cell group. I'll just start my own whatever you want to call it. Oh, I just want to have eight or nine of the ladies over, or four or five of the men over, and just have a little study and prayer time. Have you checked with anybody to see if that's a good thing to do? Have you checked to find out if that's a proper thing? Have you checked to make sure that you are authorized to do something like that and approved by the man of God? I need some help right now. It's getting quiet in the house of God. We're living in a generation where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And because of that, Absalom is thriving everywhere I go. And leadership is always appointed, never assumed. And leadership is always authorized by God, by his word, and by spiritual leaders. Spiritual leadership is always anointed by God. It is anointed by God. Do you understand to be involved in any realm of ministry, there must be the calling of God and there must be gifts of God 
and there must be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe those three things are essential? That they must be in place. Well, everybody likes the pastor, or everybody likes the Sunday school teacher, or everybody likes this person or that person in the church. I think I'll just be one of those. If in the Bible says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. You just have to do it God's way. Amen? You have to come by the way of the cross, and there's brokenness, and there's hardship, and there's difficulty, and there's a price to pay. And when men and women pay that price, God puts them in a place where he can anoint them and use them in great capacity for the glory of God. If we do it outside of that realm, if we're not careful, we can be an Absalom. Now, we have a lot of Absaloms today. They're everywhere. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about the fact, not just people, there is a spirit of Absalom that is drawing the hearts of God's people away from churches like this. I believe with all of my heart that the falling away that 1 Thessalonians talks about, that falling away first before the man of sin will be revealed, I believe that falling away has already begun. It's amazing how many people that used to would never miss church service Sunday morning, Sunday night, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, su Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, soul winning. There are people in churches like this who never miss anything. But now it's, well, we have to have a little family time. Well, pastor, it's a long drive. We'll be there next week. We've got to miss this week. I'm all for a vacation. I, I think it's a good thing to come apart and rest a while. I think it's a good thing to say, by the grace of God, we're going to be away for a little bit. Those are good things. Do I have an amen? Amen. But not every other week, not every third week, not where we're now become a hit and miss Christian. It's becoming easier. Why? Because Absalom, the spirit of Absalom, is drawing men away from the things of God and drawing our hearts toward this present world. And we must be careful. Why? That's why God said in Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Well, I don't want some Absalom to draw, draw me away. I don't want an Absalom to draw my wife and children away. I don't want an Absalom to come along and draw my grandchildren away. But sadly, in the day of the Bible, all they had was people. The mode of communication was words and written words whereby we would write a letter and it would go a great distance and take a long time. Now we have all kinds of instantaneous communication on every level of life. And we must understand the fact most of those modes of communication are trying to draw our heart away from God. Is everybody all right? Yes, Amen. Thank you. Stay there. I'll need you again. And we need, as God's people, to get to the place where we realize we've got to see what's going on. We cannot let the devil and his crowd and what's going on in this world keep us from serving God. I wrote down a few forms in which Absalom comes to God's people in this generation. I think, first of all, and one of the main forms is media especially social media. I grew up, we had an old telephone, and uh, man, you know, we, uh, the phone would ring and it had a cord on it. How many remember a phone with a cord? And you had to turn a little dial to use it. And the cord we had, my mom bought a 15 foot long cord and uh, I would uh, get on the phone and uh, open the basement door and open the basement, close it, go down with the cord. Don't break the cord, okay? And I'd go down. There I remember as a young man trying to work myself up to talk to a young lady in our school. I wanted to ask her out and all that sort of a thing. We weren't saved, and I, uh, I'm not big on dating and all that, and I think you ought to be really careful with all that. But I wanted to call this girl, and I remember I was so nervous. I picked up the phone, hung it back up, went to the other room. I can't do this. Finally, I worked myself up to call this girl. This is back in the day when you would get, uh, try to make a connection with her friend. Amen? First you say, hi, is Sally going with anybody? Oh, no. You know, you know if Sally likes anybody? No, I don't know. I mean, you think maybe she might like me? I don't know. You'll have to ask her. Or you get that little informant to come and say, Sally likes you. You ought to call her. Boy, I get on the phone. And finally, Hello? Hello? Is this Sally? Yes. This is Lou. Hi, Lou. How are you? Fine. Okay. Good talking to you. I mean, 
We were scared to death. You ought to be afraid. You should have some shame. Do I have an amen? amen? You ought to have a little bit of backward. We don't do that anymore. We don't even have to pick up the phone. Now Absalom can come right into your daughter's life at the age of 13 without ever asking dad's permission, without ever finding out who dad is and dad putting him through the third degree. If your daddy puts your boy through third degree, you ought to thank God for your daddy. Amen? Amen? Uh, every dad ought to check every guy out and every mama ought to check every girl out. You say, why? Because she knows him a whole lot better than you do. He said, oh, she's so cute, Mom. I mean, she told me I was really cute. She told me I'm really cool. And you poor little fella, your head's bigger than this gymnasium, and you don't know what to do. <laughs> and you're all Twitter-painted and all sideways, and Mom looks her over and says, she's a Jezebel, amen. I mean, you understand? <laughs> you need some help, say amen right there. But you don't need any of that today. Dling. How do you like my ear? <laughs> Look at my eye. I have a granddaughter and she'll get on the phone. Hi, pop up. Oh, this big eye looking at me. It's kind of creepy, amen? But I <laughs> move away from the iPad a little bit. Oh, okay. And you give all your thoughts. It's even worse. You can text. There's no filter there. The embarrassment of a voice is no longer there. You can be like the fool that uttereth all of his mind and give your whole thought life to somebody else and give your emotions to somebody else and your mind and spirit and your heart and all the while you don't even know that Absalom was on the other side stealing your heart away. Say amen. amen. The media. We ought to be careful what we allow in our lives. Dads, do not be afraid to tell your children, I want access to anything that comes over your phone. I need some amens right now. I want access to everything that comes over your phone. Well, you're being a, a, a helicopter dad. Helicopter, no, I'm an F-15, amen? I'm going to fly in with nuclear weapons on anything that's going on in your phone. And moms, you ought to know everything that's going on with that boy and watch over that young man's life. My mother, she's not a mother, she's a smother, amen? I mean, she just, uh, I can't do anything. That's right. You ought to thank God if your parents care enough about you to watch over your life. Why? Because Absalom around and wants to steal their heart away. Need to be careful with the media. Be careful. Man, David said in Psalm 101 verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. We set up a nice room in our house in Tennessee and, and it was back in the day and you know, and we, we got, we would buy video games 15 years after everybody else. So they'd get them, and uh, man, my kids were all excited, went to school and said, my dad let us get Super Nintendo. Kids were like, are you kidding me? Xbox is the latest thing. You poor neglected children. And we didn't get all that stuff. And I walked into the room, my kids were a little bit older, and when I walked into the room, right when I walked in, over the speaker were several words that had no business being in my house. I walked up, they were playing Call of Duty. And I walked up and I unplugged it. Oh, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm unplugging this. I'm not having some kid I've never even met in my life over a loudspeaker coming into my home and using profanity here. He said, oh, they don't cuss. He said, it just happened when you came in. I said, it was a bad day. Say amen to that. They choose a bad moment. We don't want that stuff in our home. And they're killing, they're murdering, they're cutting people's heads off, they're doing horrible things, and we call that entertainment. I'm shocked how many men are addicted to video games. I counseled a family last week who sat there. I said, how much time are you spending on the Internet and video games? Well, a little bit. I said, what do you mean a little bit? Be honest with me. Well, a little bit. And his wife started crying and said, Pastor, it's, it's bad. And he's got these new things. I forget what they're called, dude something something dude where you uh, figure out how to play these video games better, dude bro or something kind of website on YouTube. I don't know the name. I can't keep up with it. I'm still all the way back at Atari, amen? I mean, really. <laughs> My wife and I let our kids get a Nintendo and they all went to bed. This was years ago. 
Well, I said, oh, we might as well find out what this thing is. We sat up all night. We couldn't go to bed. The kids came in. Get out of here. We, we played the game. But well, this stuff is addictive. It's obsessive. It's ruining our lives. Listen, if you're laying in bed and, and, and you're talking to each other and texting your husband, you're texting your wife, you're in trouble, amen? You're in the same room together. I watch families in the airports. You know, nobody is looking, nobody's talking, nobody's communicating properly. It's all on the internet. And then everything they do, just a minute. <laughs> Selfie. That ought to tell you something. We're living for ourselves, Amen. We have, uh, we've got self-love, self-consumption. We've even got self-ease in this generation. Everything is about me, my, and I. It's Absalom. He is stealing our hearts away. The media, is everybody still here? Yeah. Let me hurry up. But uh, last year in our Christian school, I found out about a number of kids who had gone onto a website or, or uh, were using something called Visco. They were using Visco and Snapchat. And they were going from Twitter, Facebook, over to a little emoji that you could press to a visco. And they were improperly dressed. There were bad things there. I didn't even look at it. I had my secretary look and say, Pastor, this is not good. I went off. I called all the men into a room and I preached to them. Two of those men got angry and stomped out and left the church. I said, go ahead, sir. You'll come back someday weeping and begging God and asking God and, and asking God forgiveness for not listening to a man of God who cares enough about you to tell you the truth. Amen. Amen. And we need to be careful what's going into the minds and hearts of our families. Why? Because the media is stealing our heart away. Secondly, music. Music. A few weeks ago, I, a young man pulled alongside of my truck. My truck has a nice stereo system. It's a Denali. I think it's a Bose. It's one of these high-end ones. And I, I'm sitting there, and uh, he pulled up next to me, and his car, it wasn't music. It was just shaking, making this supposed to be music, these tinted windows and all this stuff. So I had on a gospel CD. I rolled my windows down and I turned it all the way up as loud as I could. And, uh, and if you're in the battle for the good and right, keep on the firing line. He looked at me like, what? I said, what's wrong with you, dude? This is good. And I'm telling you that we're living in a generation where we're inundated by sin. Do I have an amen? The majority of it's coming from music. We now have supposedly Christian rap. We have Christian rock. We have Christian disco. We have Christian country western. We've got Christian everything under the sun. I thank God for a church that before the preaching, a young lady gets up and sings a godly special number and sings about living for Christ and glorifying Him and magnifying His name. But music is taking us and stole, stealing our heart away from God. Back in the early 1960s, I remember sitting there uh, in my living room. My sisters all gathered around the TV set. Nobody could move. It was the Ed Sullivan show. And he said, tonight we're going to have a really big show. And he said, all the way from Liverpool, we have the fabulous four. And these four young men came and stood up and sang, I want to hold your hand. It was Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, John Lennon, and uh, whoever the other one was, George Harrison. And those four men, the Beatles, came in and stole the hearts of America away. You know what the newspaper said the next day? We've been invaded. We've been invaded. And we sure have. It started with them. If you see their picture, they look better than most of the people that sang in most churches around here yesterday. Their hair was shorter. They had little skinny ties on like kids wear now. They had little outfits and they stood there. There was no jumping all around and wild singing. And you heard their song. It was more conservative than most of what was song, sung in most of the churches around this area yesterday as well. We have been invaded. First it was the Beatles, then it was the Rolling Stones, then it was Jimi Hendrix, then it was Led Zeppelin, 
And each one of these groups became a little bit stronger, a little bit, uh, the rock music became a bit more heavy and more oppressive, more openly and, and overtly speaking about drugs and alcohol and sin of every kind. And it took America away from God. It took America away from church. The next generation, it got stronger and harder and then heavy metal came out and then death metal came out and that wasn't good enough. They started rapping and cursing and using vile profanity right over the airwaves. We're living in a generation that's got become so sin-soaked and sin-inundated that we don't even know how far we have gone. And you know what it's done? It? It's been music. That's why Paul said in Romans 13, 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make, no provi make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If music, if you feel the music and it's got your uh, feet tapping before it's got your heart stirred up towards God, you're listening to the wrong music, media, the music, the Absaloms of modernism. Is everybody here? Amen. It's about to get worse. There's no need in me hedging things and pretending with you. We're in trouble tonight. Imagine how large this church would be. Imagine how large Heritage Baptist Church would be tonight. Uh, you couldn't keep up with the buildings, Pastor. You'd have to start new churches and satellite churches and plant churches. Why? If, if every person that got saved here and stirred up and baptized... If every person who left this church and joined a, a modernistic, contemporary, liberal church, if they were still here, imagine what this church would be tonight. But you know what's happened? Absalom came in and stole their heart away. Have you noticed that the contemporary church movement, when we get people saved, they now have a burden for them. Now that we get saved, their aunt or uncle says, oh, you should go to my church. You should go with me to the river. You should go with me to the elevation. You should go with me to the horizon, or whatever they call it. When I leave my home, I like to go to a church. Do I have an amen? A church. And the word church means a called out visible assembly. If you've been called out, the question is uh, the word ecclesia. We, we translate that into the word church in our English language from the Greek Bible. The word means to be called out and assembled. Well, what are we called out of? Help me. We're called out of darkness into his marvelous light that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us. We've been called out from the world where God says, wherefore, come out from among them and, and touch not the unclean things, saith the Lord, and be separate, saith the Lord. We've got churches now. You can't tell the difference between the world and the church. We'll go out in the summertime as little kids, and I don't ever recommend this, we would go into my mom's drawer, and I would steal her nylons out of the drawer. Mom's nylons. I remember those things. And uh, we would take those out of the drawer, and we'd tie rocks into the end of the nylons and knot them up, and we would throw the nylons up in the air early in the summer evenings where we lived. There were bats flying around, and we always wanted to catch bats. I don't know why. We wanted to catch one. I remember throwing those little nylons up in the air, and finally, we got one. Sure enough, we caught a bat, and it got caught up in the nylon, and the rock brought it right down on the ground. We got one. I ran over this and a little bat is in it. It's caught up, in, and it's inside of the nylon, and I'm looking at the bat. I'm saying, man, what a weird little creature. Got little teeth. I mean, just little ears sticking straight up. I mean, a little bat, and I'm looking at this thing, and there were these little wings. And this little bat, it looked like a mouse with wings. <laughs> so it was sort of a bird, and it was sort of a mouse. You know what it was? The problem with the bat is this. He was too batty to be a bird, and he was too birdy to be a mouse. What is a bat? And we finally, you know, we let the thing go, and it it didn't bite us, fortunately. I heard about Ozzy Osbourne with Black Sabbath. He bit the head off of a bat in a rock concert. You understand? And they, they took him out. They gave him rabies shots. My suggestion was they ought to give the bat rabies shots. Amen? Because he bit it. But I'm saying to you, here's this strange little creature. You know what the problem is with some people? 
You're too saved to be a worldling. And you're too worldly to be really saved. That's the problem with a lot of these churches. We're too much like the world to really come out from among them. But we throw on some ver- Bible verses, a little dabble do, and call ourselves Christianity. And that is the new wave of Christianity that's come out in America tonight. Churches that no longer use the name church, no longer use the King James Bible. They say they have a better version. I can tell you tonight with all authority from study and research, this is the Word of God. And we don't need a new Bible. We need to read the one we have. Say amen. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And Paul said, charge some, charge some in 1 Timothy 1, 3, that they teach no other doctrine. And he said, you get away with that false teaching and that lie. Calvinism kicks in. False teaching kicks in. Uh, Wine kicks in. And false teaching on alcohol and a weak stand on that. And a a weak stand on marriage. A weak stand on the family. And now tonight, we have one of the greatest abominations the world has ever produced. It's called Hillsong United out of Australia. Head pastor Brian Austin and his wife Bobby have put together a network of over a million people worldwide who will call themselves members of Hillsong Church. They will tell you that Pastor Brian is their pastor. Well, I wonder, has he visited them in the hospital when they're sick? Do I have an amen? Amen. Has he been there for their children when they needed God? Of course not. But send in your money and I'll be your pastor. And Pastor Brian has branches all over the world now Hillsong, U.S. Hillsong, New York City is, conduct, is uh, led by the lead pastor whose name is Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz recently denied publicly that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Carl Lentz is a heretic after the third order. Carl Lentz also uh, has now brought on Joel Houston who happens to be uh, Brian Houston's son and his wife, Esther. If you study Esther Houston, you must be careful. Do not look her name up. Do not research her name. I did, and it was an assault and an affront to my eyes when I went on her website. It was almost pornographic. I had to turn it off with her closing clothing line and the unbelievable debauchery that she called herself as a Christian woman. In 2016, at their Colors Conference in New York City, they had a night where the theme was, I love New York. It was a, lady, a woman's conference. All these women, thousands of women came in to listen to Hillsong and listen to their music. When they gathered together, surprise, out came on the stage in living color while the ladies were singing, the women were singing. I saw the video. The women were very inappropriately dressed. They were completely immodest in and of themselves, dancing uh, in a can-can style with, uh, in a very inappropriate manner with loud music. And out came special guest, a man that, whose name I don't have written down, but whom they call the Naked Cowboy. The naked cowboy is in New York City. He is a man who goes around New York City with a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, a large guitar, and very little on underneath. That's it. He lives up to his name. He showed up at their conference. He came out on living stage. All the women shouted and screamed and went wild as the naked cowboy went out to worship Jesus together on the stage. Friends, that is an abomination in the eyes of a holy God. Do I have an amen? You say, Pastor, you shouldn't be so judgmental. No, the Bible says, judge righteous judgment. The Bible says, be careful. By their fruits, you shall know them. And I got so stirred up, and then it was even worse. Pastor Brian came out and said, it was all an accident. (laughs) We're sorry because there was a lot of kickback. But then it was revealed finally that it wasn't the naked cowboy. It was their youth pastor impersonating naked cowboy whose name is Diego Simola. That's his name. He's famous among youth. He he is the rage among teenagers today. Diego is tattooed all over his body. 
He shows up in meetings with his long hair and uh, talks like some kind of a rapper. I heard him on one of his videos literally rapping to kids and carrying on and all the kids carrying on. Of course, he has a little stand over here, uh, which is the new rage, a little table with his Bible sitting on it. Hey, is everybody here, man? Cool to see you, dudes, with all of his lights in the background. Listen, friends, that has nothing to do with an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church. We ought to get away from that like we would have got about poison or a rattlesnake. Say amen. Or a mountain lion in California. Don't ever shoot one, by the way. And as if this was not bad enough, Diego decided to show up at the December staff Christmas party conducted by Mrs. Houston herself, Esther Houston. Carl Lentz was there. Pastor Joel was there, the lead pastors of the church. And he showed up now, not as the naked cowboy but he showed up as the naked Santa Claus. There are pictures of himself on Twitter and Instagram that are abominable, that you can't even look at. Listen, that's their youth pastor. May God help us tonight. That's who's driving the contemporary bus. That's who's in the driver's seat of the new progressive fundamentalist movement. That's where they're getting their help from and all their leadership from and their music from. Listen, friends, I don't need any of that. You don't need any of that. We can have fresh, godly music that sounds right. We can have a godly orchestra. We can have young people singing with a smile on their face. We can preach with a tie on, say amen, like right there. We can preach from the Bible and get stirred up. We can stay with old-time religion, and if we're not careful, Absalom is going to steal this generation away. And I know that that's hard preaching. You shouldn't call names. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Let's look at Hillsong. Love not the world, neither things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at Hillsong and all that they're doing and their movement that they have, sweeping young people out of your home and out of your local church. And Romans 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I know some of us, myself included, we got over-liberated. We preached too hard on the wrong things. We called girls out, you little Jezebels and all that sort of a thing, instead of loving them and praying for them. Do I have an amen? We tried to get people stirred up and dressed right before they even knew three or four Bible verses. And I know we may have been overzealous, but we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We don't need to so overcompensate that suddenly we have no doctrine at all. We must learn the Word of God. I'm not done. Media, music, modernism. Is the Absalom of materialism destroying our lives from the inside out? I tell you that it is. I remember the day when I walked into my brother's office. I was a foreman on his crew. I was probably making more money than any 21-year-old guy I knew, and certainly any of my friends. And I walked into his office and said, Brother, Last year was a bad year. I got saved, and by the end of the work season in the summer, we work 80 hours a week. I was backsliding. I was doing things I shouldn't do. I got out of church. I said, brother, I will never be in that position again. It's springtime. Wintertime has been here, and I've been in church. We laid off in the winter and shut our company down, and I got in church, was singing in the choir. God was changing my life. Uh, great things were happening. I said, dear brother, I can no longer work on Sundays, and I've got to be in church. I must serve God. And he said, you'll have to make up your mind. You're either serving God or this company. I said, all right, I'll give you 30 days' notice. And I left the company. He, he told me on walking out the door, he said, you're out of your mind. He said, you'll be one of the youngest millionaires in the city of Baltimore. I, I walked out. I said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Amen. Do I have an amen? amen? Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to us paying the price? Whatever happened to God's people saying, gladly, I'll serve Christ. I know some are civil servants. I know that the world wants us to work. I know you have to provide for your family. But do you understand tonight, we must not let the God of this world steal away the heart that we have that belongs to Jesus Christ. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 
or chapter 6, the Bible said in verse number 5 that there would be perverted disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Listen, supposing that gain is godliness from such turn away. And to be careful that we do not embrace this lie, this Absalom lie, it says the more you get, the godlier you are. That's the prosperity gospel. Is everybody okay? I know where I am. I'm right in the middle of California. How in the world are you going to live around here? I don't know. You see, we only have four bedrooms and they're all rented out. Rent the basement, rent the shed, rent the backyard. Do whatever you got to do. But be in the house of God. Do I have an amen? amen. Materialism. And God said very clearly, for the love of money, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And finally, Absalom. The new Absalom of mediocrity. I think churches now are just becoming lukewarm. Remember how stirred you used to be about things like the Thanksgiving banquet? And the pastor stands up, this can be the best banquet we've ever had. Amen. This is going to be the biggest one ever. Oh, you say that every year. Amen. Should say that every year. Amen. How many believe this year's ought to be better than last year's? The turkey ought to taste better. The dressing ought to be better. The spaghetti ought to be better. The raviolis ought to be better. Oh, wait a minute. That's our Thanksgiving banquet. But I mean, uh, everything you do. <laughs> Amen. How many like spaghetti? Man, they're serving that at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You better get used to it. Amen. But isn't it easy just to say, well, somebody will get it done. Somebody else will do it. Pastor, I'm tired. We're all tired. But I'm tired of hearing about how tired people are. I'm tired of hearing people who say, well, I'm tired, so I'm going to give less than, than I ever have and give less of my life for the, for the local church than I ever did. You know what that is? That's Absalom trying to steal your heart away. You know what God wants for all of us? He wants us to identify Absalom in our life. Now, it may be a human form. Maybe somebody that's a murmur and a complainer in the house of God. Well, you know, my sister's church has 42 elders. God bless your sister's church. This is a Baptist church. Say amen to that. And, well, you know, I don't know. They preach so long in there. You know, my sister's church, they only go 20 minutes. Amen. <laughs> they get about 20 minutes worth of godliness too. Amen. It takes a lot to preach the devil out of us. Man, I'm telling you, this crowd, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Amen? Take me hours to get the devil out of this thing. But mediocrity, that's enough. Well, we're having Bible study. Let's just Bible study. Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. I, and I'm for it. Do you understand? You might even know what color the eyes are of the beast in the book of Revelation but you hadn't led anybody to Christ in 20 years. I don't want to know how much Bible you know. Do I have an amen? If you're not living it out, you might know all the particulars of the winged creatures around the throne of God. And they were four, three, four feet long and three feet wide, and they had uh, particular feathers, and you know exactly what they are. You've studied it so well. I'm glad for that. But what are you doing with all that knowledge? What are you doing with all that encouragement? What are you doing with all that wonderful time that you're having praying and crying with the girls in the Bible study and the men? You know, encourage, encourage one another. What are you doing with all that? Are you out here getting people saved? Are you out here learning what it means to see the power of God on your church? Are you and I on fire for the things of God? Let me finish up. He said to mark them which cause divisions among you and avoid such. I was in a church in Greenville, South Carolina. The pastor had been there for about eight or nine months and he was having some trouble. He brought some music in that I felt was very God-honoring, refreshing, but they were people from an old school, a college that they believed in and they were all bowing down toward that college several times a day. And uh, I went to their home. A lady had me over, a very proper woman, had some of the college students there and a brand new uh, administrator in the Christian school had just come in, had us over. She said, well, Brother Rossi, what do you think about this 
new pastor that we have. I said, he's a fine fellow. Well, there are some of us who have problems with the music that he's bringing in. I said, well, I'm so glad, ma'am, that you have problems. I said, have you talked to him about this personally? He said, well, I don't know that he'll listen. I said, well, you can write this down. Neither will I. He's not going to listen and neither will I. Do I have an amen? amen? I said, in fact, when we get to church tonight, I'm going to take you right to the pastor. I'm going to tell the pastor that you have a problem with the music. She said, oh, I said, because against an elder, receive not an accusation, lest it be before two or three witnesses. And I said, sir, aren't you the new principal? He said, well, yes, I am. I'm going to tell the pastor that the new principal is over here listening to gossip and discord about his character and about you. That woman was so mad, you could have fried eggs on her forehead. Amen? <laughs> oh, oh, preposterous. She was a highbrow, you know, one of these round mouth oh, churches. And, uh, man, you can't even, uh, can't even bend a note slightly. Amen? Uh, it was like going to an opera. It was deader than the 4 o'clock hour. You could hear crickets chirping while you were preaching. And she got very angry. I was on an airplane a few years later and getting on the fly to a meeting. I heard this, Brother Rossi. I said, I know that voice. <laughs> I've had several major nightmares about that voice. <laughs> Hello, brother. I said, how are you, sister? She said, I'm fine. I've never had opportunity to thank you for what you did for me in my home. She said, I spoke to the pastor. I repented for my sin of sowing discord. She said, I talked to the people in, my, in that room. I talked to the principal. She said, we would have split the church. She already had it all going on, had a little group ready to cause discord. She said, I spoke to them, and we've gotten behind our pastor, and we love the Word of God, and our church is growing. I'm saying, man, there's a miracle. You don't need to start the engines. I'll fly this plane. Amen? I mean, I was so excited to hear that report. And I talked to the preacher, and he said, man, we had revival. And they decided among themselves that they would never let Absalom in the door and they would never let sin destroy their ministry and by the grace of God, they'd follow that good man of God that the Lord sent their way. He's still there. That's been years ago. And the Lord's used them in a great way, built a beautiful new building and God's done great things. You understand that you and I, we don't need to put up with that mess. And I wonder how many of us tonight as we begin to give the invitation would say, Lord, would you show me the areas of compromise in my life where I have allowed things to slip? He said, take heed lest we let these things slip. means literally to leak through, to get out, and to start reeling in our spiritual life in these last days. Before I give the invitation, how many of you believe that what I preached to you about tonight is true, not about spaghetti and stuff. I mean, I'm a, really about the things dealing with the Word of God. How many you know that I've tried to give you the truth tonight? And by God's grace, with God's help, let's identify Absalom in our life. Let's put it aside and crucify it and, and mortify it and cut it off and say, by God's grace, I want the truth of the Word of God and honesty and transparency and brokenness and humility be a part of my life as a child of God.